What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Tuesday, March 3rd. Hopefully, all you guys are having a nice, good week up until this point. I know it's early in the week, man, but continue to strive, be great, stay positive, put a smile on somebody else's face besides your own. Don't be so selfish. Um, Continue to do you, be great, be as great as you can be, and just keep doing you, man. With that being said, though, so Let's get right into it. So last night in the association, the National Basketball Association, my Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks for a second consecutive time this season. And we are the only team in the entire NBA to have that feat. And I know it's not the biggest thing in the world, but look, the Milwaukee Bucks have a record, I believe it right now, 51 and nine. They don't even have double digit losses on the season yet. They're one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, and look, I'm going to just say it right now. The Milwaukee Bucks are a really good team every year in the regular season, but when things get tight in the playoffs, it's a different story. And I'm going to get into that in a second. But I want to tell you guys why the Heat did this and how they were able to beat the Bucks because they have a whole bunch of different reasons. But so let's flash let's flash back a little bit. So the first time the Heat actually beat the Bucks, the Heat actually won by a score of 131 to 126. This was back on October 26th. It was the second game of the Bucks season. Um, it was actually their home opener, their first game playing in Milwaukee this season. And the Heat didn't have Jimmy Butler because he was out for personal reasons due to the birth of his daughter. So he didn't, he wasn't playing in that game. But in that game, Giannis had, had a pretty good game, scoring 29 points. He shot 12 of 21 overall from the field. He was 0-5 from three, though. Chris Middleton had 25 points, 7 of 16 shooting overall, and he shot 4-11 from the three-point line. And so the Heat, without Jimmy Butler... Bam Adebayo scored 19 points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists. Kendrick Nunn had 18 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists. Goran Dragic had a spectacular performance, scoring 25 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds. Tyler Hero, who was healthy at the time, had 14 points and 5 rebounds. Kelly Olenek had 14 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists. And Derrick Jones Jr. added 14 points and 2 rebounds. So, they pretty much won that game just because they outplayed Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee didn't take the heat necessarily as serious, and I think that ended up costing them. And, you know, of course, it's still the regular season. It's not the end of the world to lose a single game in the regular season when you play 82 games in an entire season or 81 games um, or 82. Yeah, forgive me, 82 games. And so I didn't take it that serious. But you flash forward to last night. So last night, the Heat actually won by a score of 105 to 89, and 89 points is the lowest scoring total for the Milwaukee Bucks this entire season, and you got to give a big credit to the Heat defense. The Heat defense last night held Giannis to 13 points on 6 of 18 shooting. He shot 0 of 4 from the three-point line. He had also had 15 rebounds, three assists, one steal, and one block. The Heat defense also held Chris Middleton to 12 points on 4 of 16 shooting, 2 of 10 from the three-point line, which if my math is not incorrect, I believe that's 20% from the three-point line. And he had seven rebounds and one steal. While on the other side, Bam Adebayo had 14 points, five assists, 13 rebounds, one steal, and three blocks. Jimmy Butler had 18 points, seven assists, six rebounds, and one steal. Kendrick Nunn had 13 points, eight rebounds, two assists, and one steal. Duncan Robinson had nine points, shot three of seven from the three-point line. Kelly Olenek had 11 points. He shot a perfect three of three from the three-point line. Goran Dragic had 15 points. He shot three of seven from the three-point line. And I believe he had 10 fourth-quarter points in that game. Andre Guadalla also had three points, shooting one of two from the three-point line, which is 50%. And that's one thing. So the Heat, you know, a lot of people are talking about how the Heat were able to do this. Do the Heat have the blueprint? 
Um, what did the Heat do differently to win this game and stuff like that? But I want to say Eric Spolster is a smart man. And if you guys don't know that, he's one of the best coaches in the entire NBA. He's one of the best coaches. He has rings. He has multiple NBA championships. He's going to be a Hall of Famer down the line. And, of course, he plays for a first-class organization or he coaches for a first-class organization in the Miami Heat. And they're not dumb. Him, Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg, they are smart people. And what Eric Spolster did is he went or he must have went back and looked at what happened in the Eastern Conference Finals of last year's playoffs between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors, led by Kawhi Leonard, what they did to guard and contain Giannis, Giannis the Greek freak, forgive me. So what they did was they pretty much sent multiple bodies at him, they walled him up, and they pretty much turned Giannis into a pass-first power forward. And that's exactly what the Heat did last night. So you got to think about it. The Heat have so much depth, and you have, as per player, you have six fouls. So they have... Jimmy Butler, that's six fouls. You have um, Kent, or not Kendrick, no, Andre Godala, that's 12 fouls. You got Jay Crowder, that's 18 fouls. You have Solomon Hill, that's 24 fouls. You have a whole bunch of different players on this Miami Heat team that can guard Giannis, including Bam Adebayo. Like, you just have multiple bodies to throw at Giannis. You have Derrick Jones Jr., who was guarding him for some times last night, and that's able to really help the Heat. And again, think about that. The Heat, the first time they played the Bucks this season, they did not have Andre Godala, they did not have Solomon Hill, and they did not have Jay Crowder. And those are all really, really good defensive players. And all those guys, I'm not saying that they can, you know, guard Giannis really good, but they can contain Giannis. They, they have enough strength in their bodies and on their upper bodies and lower bodies to help off Giannis because Giannis is most effective when he's getting down to the rim, when he puts his head down and he just tries to bully his way into the paint. But when you actually create a wall like the Miami Heat did, they turned Giannis into a passer, and they made the rest of Giannis's teammates try and beat them by shooting the rock, and they just couldn't do that last night. They have good shooters around them, from Wesley Matthews to Brooke Lopez. Marvin Williams is a pretty good shooter, but they're not that reliable, and especially in playoff time, that's my thing with the Bucks that really concerns me. I, I feel like everybody's forgetting. Of course, they have the best record in the NBA. I believe they're 51-9 right now, but Chris Middleton, even though he's been a multi-time All-Star, he has not proven anything in the playoffs. He's been a really good player in the regular season, and he no doubt in my mind deserves to be an NBA player and a starter and an all-star at that. But in the playoffs, Chris Middleton has been, um, what should I say, mediocre. Like, honestly, I think Chris Middleton has not shown and proven anything. And I think a lot of people forget that. He was pretty much nothing for the Milwaukee Bucks last year in that Eastern Conference Finals matchup versus the Toronto Raptors. He did not show up. And that's my thing with the Bucks. You're going to get production out of Giannis. Giannis can easily get, you know, 20 points off rebounds alone. Like, that's offensive rebounds alone because that's how good he is. But you're going to need that help from Eric Bledsoe, who struggled last night. You're going to need that help from Brooke Lopez, who played pretty good last night. He had 21 points. You're going to need that help from George Hill, who, you know, we've seen George Hill play on the biggest stage. He was in the 2018 NBA Finals playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers alongside LeBron James when they got swept that year. And George Hill didn't really do much. And so that's my thing. As great of a player as Giannis is, he does not have enough help to get over the hump and get into the NBA Finals. And even if they do, I don't have them winning at all because they just don't have enough. And another thing, too, is the Miami Heat simply have better shooters. And they don't even have all their shooters. Like last night, they're still missing Tyler Hero, who I believe is dealing with an ankle injury. They're still missing uh, Myers Leonard, who's a really good shooter for them, too. And they just, they're not fully healthy. And the Bucks right now are. And that's a big thing, too. Like, once you get a fully healthy Miami Heat roster, that's going to be scary. Like, last night, for instance, the Bucks shot seven 
of 34 from the three-point line, which is only 20%. On the other hand, the Miami Heat shot 18 of 37 from the three-point line, which is 48%. Again, you have Kelly Olenek shooting 100% from the three-point line, shooting three for three. Duncan Robinson shot three of seven from the three-point line. You had Goran Draga shoot three of seven from the free throw, or three-point line, excuse me. You had Jay Crowder shoot five of nine from the three-point line. Andre Godala shot one of two from the three-point line. You have multiple shooters on this Miami Heat team, and I think that's going to be a big difference in the playoffs by the time that they run into each other because, because if they do run into each other, that is, because the Heat simply have better shooters. Now, I understand when the playoffs get here, the pressure rises, the game slows down, the games get tighter, the games get more physical, all of that. The referees don't call as many fouls and stuff like that. Of course, you know, the, the pressure, you know, the air gets thin and all that type of stuff. But I still just think the Miami Heat have the more veteran players, uh, or they don't have more veteran players, but they have the better experienced players, shall I say. Like, I think Andre Godala is a key player for the Miami Heat down the line. Jay Crowder has been in those big-time playoff matches, whether it was with the Celtics and a few other teams that he's been on. Um, and, of course, you got Jimmy Butler, who is an all-time closer. Bam Adebayo hasn't been in the playoffs, you know, a lot throughout his career, his early career at that, but he's experienced playoff basketball. And I just think the Bucks situation is not going to help them out. And, again, you have multiple bodies to throw at Giannis that the Miami Heat have. And I think that's going to be a big thing. And not only that, too, but if you guys didn't know, the uh, Miami Heat are also 0-2 against the Boston Celtics this year. But the Miami Heat, the thing with them is they didn't have enough bodies to throw at Jason Tatum. They didn't have enough bodies to throw at Gordon Hayward. They didn't have enough bodies to throw at Jalen Brown. And even sometimes Marcus Smart and now Kemba Walker, too. And that was a thing, too. But now, again, they have not played the Celtics since they acquired Andre Godala or Jay Crowder or Solomon Hill. And that's going to be a big thing. I think Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg, the moves that they made at the free agent deadline, the trade deadline, just between the three of those guys, Andre Godala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill, I think those were big because they know they needed more depth. And as good as the shooters that they have from, again, Tyler Hero to Duncan Robinson, those guys aren't really good and established defensive players yet. But Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill and Andre, Andre Godala are all known for that. And, of course, Andre Godala is a finals MVP not too long ago. And I know he's up in age, but give him some time. You know, he's missed half the season. He's going to get back into shape. He's going to get back into form. By the time the playoffs are here, he's going to be even better than what he's than what he's showing right now. And I think this team, man, be on the lookout. Again, I would not be surprised if they made the NBA Finals. And I know, look, I am a fan of the Miami Heat, so I, I might sound like a little bit biased, but just hear me out because another thing is, too, not only do we have enough, multiple bodies to throw at Giannis, but Bam Adebayo is a spectacular defensive player. And he's a really good defensive player on Pascal Siakam, too, who, if you guys don't know, is the best player for the Toronto Raptors, too. And if he's struggling, the Raptors struggle. And that's a big thing, too. Go watch the, the one game that the Raptors and the Heat have played. Or I, I think they played twice now. Excuse me. They played twice now. But both those, or the first time when they played in Toronto, Bam Adebayo locked up Pascal Siakam. And I mean locked up. Like, he is a sp spectacular defender. And when you have a guy like that that can guard multiple positions and lock down your best player, that is a big thing, man. That's why I just think defensively and shooting-wise, the Miami Heat have literally all of the pieces. They have majority of the stuff figured out. They're going to be a tough team to beat by the time the playoffs get here. I think the only team that really has the advantage on them right now is the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's just because the Miami Heat don't have a true enough big man on the defensive end other than Bam Adebayo to contain Joel Embiid, who is just a dominant force when he's completely healthy and not BSing. And so that's the thing, too. But besides that, like, 
you know, a lot of people are saying, like, you know, it's a fluke and stuff like that. It's only one game out of 82, which it is. I never take the regular season too serious because, again, it's a whole bunch of games to be played. But you got to look at the facts, too. Like, this was one of the first times throughout the season that Milwaukee has waved the white flag. Like, they waved the white flag last night with about seven minutes left on the game clock. Giannis and Chris Middleton were both pulled out the game by Coach Budenholzer, and they put their bench in early last night. That's a, shine, that's a sign of good things to show for the Miami Heat because they're doing it the right way. They're playing really good defense on Giannis. And, they're, again, they're just forcing Giannis' teammates to beat them and not Giannis. And once that's happening, it's ugly for the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's just my thing. Like, you can say all you want about how good they're playing in the regular season, but they did this last year too. And I'm not trying to be a Milwaukee Bucks hater. I'm just saying, can we realize the facts? Can we stop forgetting about what happened not too long ago in the Eastern Conference Finals when Kawhi Leonard not exposed Giannis, but he definitely showed all of his flaws and put him out there. And the Miami Heat are using that same tactic, that same technique, and it's working. And it's working to their benefit. And again, they are the only team that are 2-0 against the Milwaukee Bucks. I know it sounds crazy just because of the regular season, but you have to take that into advantage. Like, okay, they know how to guard Giannis. They know how to contain him, and they know how to beat him. So, it's going to be tough for them in the playoffs. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup if these two teams do end up matching up because they just, I think the, the Miami Heat have a better roster, point back period. I think, you know, the Bucks have the best player on the court, but that doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to be, you know, you're going to win. And I think that's just as simple as that. But that's just my take. I truly think the Miami Heat are legitimate contenders. I don't think they'll win it this year because I think it's a few teams that are better in the West, you know, most most specifically the two teams in L.A., but the Heat's roster and their defensive capabilities alongside with their shooting really, really puts them over the hump with a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference. So that's just my take on it. But moving on, though. So I haven't done college recruitment in a minute, but I had to get back to it. So last night, Matt Painter, who's been having a very, very rough season with his Purdue Boilermakers, um, they've been struggling. It's going to be interesting to see if they make the NCAA tournament. They're going to have to do something crazy these last couple weeks to really establish themselves and, and get into the tournament to get an at-large bid or to get a bid at all. They got a really good commitment last night. They got a commitment out of Caleb First, who is a four-star player. He's, uh, he's, he's originally from Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's a 6'9 power forward. Currently goes to Black Hawk Christian School. He was being heavily pursued by my Michigan State Spartans. He actually visited campus a couple different times throughout the past few years. But last night, he made it official. He has committed to the Purdue Boilermakers. He will join Matt Painter's staff, not next year, but the year after that. He is in the class of 2021. But last year, in this past summer, this last summer, he played on the Nike EYBL su summer circuit with Spice Indy Heat, which is a really good program that's based out of the Indiana, the state of Indiana, that's put out players like C.J. Walker, who's the starting point guard at Ohio State right now, Jaron Jackson Jr., who, of course, went to Michigan State, and then right now, of course, was a lottery pick that currently plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, who's a franchise player. They produce Xavier Tillman, who's a stud for Michigan State. They produce Tiger Campbell, who's the starting point guard at UCLA right now. They're also going to produce Jaden Ivey, who's another really good player that will end up playing alongside Caleb first because he's headed to Purdue this season to play in the 2020-2021 season. And they also have Nigel Pack, who's also headed to Kansas State to play under Coach Bruce Weber in the Wildcats um, in um, excuse me, the Big 12. So, Speeds Indy Heat definitely produces. But last year on the EYBL circuit, Caleb first averaged 11.5 points per game, shooting 55% from the field, um, averaged 1.4 assists per game, 5.3 rebounds per game, and 0.4 blocks per game. So Caleb first, first of all, he's a lefty. He's 6'9". 
Um, doesn't really have an established post game yet. He's more of a perimeter type player, but he's not like the flashy crossover type guy. He's just like a more, you know, he he's not hesitant, but he's really smart on using his dribbles. He doesn't waste his handle at all. He loves to get to his spots. Really good touch from the, he's a really, really good shooter. And I think he's going to fit into Matt Painter's system really well. Like Matt Painter, we all know, has had a really good and really successful run with his power forwards from Caleb Swanigan. And just big man in general, you know, Caleb Swanigan, Isaac Haas, of course, you got um, Matt Harms there right now, Travion Williams. And I think Caleb first is going to fit into that mold really, really well because, he can, again, he can shoot it. Um, he's very versatile. He's a really good passer. I think he needs to work on his defense a little bit better, um, become more of a shot blocker. But aside from that, and don't even take those numbers too seriously from what he did last in the EYBL circuit because he played on a very, very stacked Speech Indy Heat team. Again, he played alongside Nigel Pack, who's going to Kansas State, and Jaden Ivey, who's going to Purdue. This year on the circuit, he's going to have uh, more keys to drive the car. I think he's going to have a much more expanded role. He's probably going to be the best player on the team. He's going to be asked to do the most and be the most consistent scorer for the team. So definitely look out for him. But he's a really good player, really, really good pickup. He had offers from, you know, most of the top, you know, uh, schools in the country, whether it was Virginia, Purdue, Michigan State. He had a lot of really good offers. And, of course, you know, yesterday on March 2nd, Monday, March 2nd, he announced that he's headed to Purdue to be a Boilermaker. Really good pickup. He is the only commit as of right now in the class of 2021 that is headed to Purdue, but I don't think he will be the lone commit in the class. Really good pickup for the Boilermakers. Congrats to you guys. With that being said, though, as always, shout out to Nuts and Boats Sports. Go check out their podcast network. I'm featured on their podcast network, but they have a whole bunch of other really, really great content creators and podcast hosts. Also, I am a college basketball blogger for Nuts and Bolts Sports, so go check them out too. They also do all your great sports for any of your writing needs, journalist, journalistic needs, shall I say, whether it's the NBA, college basketball, wrestling, football, NFL, XFL, college football, whatever. Nuts and Bolts Sports has it for you. Go check them out as always. With that being said, though, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. Please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And if you listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Please leave a rate and review. I appreciate you guys. As always, have a great one, and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace, love, and blessings gone.